0: I have to say that Meet the Masters is what really sold me on your group and just the turnkey world in general.
1: And thanks for joining me today. so we are on the uh, eve well not the eve I shouldn't say that we're on the the verge because the eve is actually tomorrow <laughs> of uh, that American holiday called Thanksgiving a time of year when we try to uh, get some perspective on life uh, Of course we should be doing this every day right. But uh, at least there's a uh, a dedicated place for it. Perspective on the things we can be thankful for. There are many of them for all of us. If you are in one of the 188 countries listening to our show that is outside of the U.S., I know you don't celebrate this holiday, but I always mention it because it, uh, you know, it, it's just something we should be uh, conscious of and always remember as humans, regardless of what flag we live under, right? So today we are going to have a client case study. Our client, Jaden, will be on the show. And the great thing about Jaden is uh, he is uh, just 26 years old and he is uh, building a great investment property portfolio with us. And you'll hear his story in a moment. He comes to a lot of our events. You know, many of you have met Jaden before at uh, maybe our Meet the Masters of Income Property event, Creating Wealth events. Or the uh, most recent Prophets in Paradise event. And, and Jaden was there at that event as well. So before we get to that, just a uh, mention on two quick things, and I know they will actually be quick. (laughs) I promise. (laughs) What do you think of that? Number one, it looks like there's some good news for Texas property owners. You know, Texas has had incredibly good news, number one. But the one thing about Texas that uh, real estate investors... Do not like among all the other things they do like is that taxes are high. You know, this basically passes through to the tenants, okay? Remember, income properties, corporations, LLCs, companies, entities, they're all really pass through entities at the end of the day. But, you know, the question is can they pass the increased cost? Can they pass them through quickly, right? As the costs are rising on one side of the ledger can they pass that cost through to their tenants or customers That's always the question. And there's, you know, always some gap in that, always some lag in that. But it looks like um, there is some new legislation in Texas that we will be talking about on a future episode in a little more detail, offering uh, some relief to the property tax bills. I know I've got several properties in Texas, and I've had uh, many others. I, I have sold and exchanged a few on the 1031 exchanges I've done. It's good and bad. I mean, Texas has just been a booming, booming market. And one of our listeners reached out. Out to me, and, and said, I hope you're wrong about Florida becoming the new Texas. And, uh, you know, Florida seems to be the really hot market right now. Of course, there are many other great markets around the country, too. And you can find those all at jasonhartman.com. Click on the properties section and you'll see them there. But the property taxes in Florida are very, very low. And of course, there's no state income taxes. So, got some good combinations there for you. Okay, so um, housing inventory. I don't have to tell you because you are all very well-informed listeners because you are listening to this show and uh, you know what's going on out there, but it's even worse than we thought. Looking at an article, a Housing Wire article about inventory, uh, big cities see big dips in housing inventory with no new homes on the horizon. Just basically looks at a National Association of Realtors study saying that inventory of housing has plummeted to a 3.9 month supply at the end of October. And they're saying that a six month supply is generally considered to mean a market at a healthy level. Of course, that's a matter of opinion. You know, some would say more, some would say less. So, in other words, that's what we call the market absorption rate. Homes are being absorbed, in other words, purchased by buyers, right? That's the absorption. And there's a certain number of properties for sale at any given time. So if you took a snapshot in time and not one more seller added any more properties, any more homes to the market, how long would it take At the existing rate of absorption for all of that inventory to be gobbled up, to be purchased, to be sold, how long would it take? And now, according to this NAR study, it's 3.9 months, and they're saying that's very low, that's very low inventory, because really it should take six months to gobble up the inventory. Now, uh, Zillow is out with some interesting stats too. They say the biggest drop in inventory was in Seattle, which lost 28% of its inventory. Now, you know, this can be a variety of factors. It can be people staying in place, aging in place. We've talked about that. We've talked about why you should really, uh, you know, we kind of debunked the assisted living category, if you will, and talked about that. Cincinnati, one of our markets, by the way, at jasonhartman.com, you can find out from our investment counselors, talk about Cincinnati, lost 18%. Washington, D.C., down 17%. Austin, Texas, formerly one of our markets, now too expensive, down 14%. Kansas City, one of our markets down 16%. Las Vegas, formerly one of our markets, down 14%. Orlando, currently one of our markets, down 10%. Phoenix, down 15%. That used to be one of our markets, but uh, again, Phoenix got too expensive, so we stopped recommending it to new investors. And then Pittsburgh, another one of our markets, uh, well, generally down 16% in terms of supply of properties. So that's what you can look at. And um, realtor.com said that the average American home listing price in October climbed 4.3% year over year, reaching a high of, you ready for this? Now, (laughs) before I give you the number, go to jasonhartman.com, click on the properties section, and look at the properties there. And you'll see that the you know, this is just anecdotal. I'm not giving you the actual science here, but you'll see that the average property that we are recommending to you is maybe around $130,000. Well, guess what the average home listing price is in America? It's, drumroll please, $312,000. So we have lots of great properties for you at less than half the median home list price. So check it out, jasonhartman.com. Okay, without further ado, let's go to our client case study. Young guy doing great things. Let's talk to Jaden and uh, learn something from what he's doing. And by the way, if you have young people in your life, kids other people's kids, strangers on the street, people on Facebook or social media, wherever that you are connected with, recommend this interview to them because they can learn something and you can help them get ahead in life. Okay, here is our Client Case Study with JB. It's my great pleasure to bring Jaden Zubal on the show. He uh, reached out and volunteered to come on and just share some of his experiences. He is a wealth strategist and loves income property as an investment category, kind of integrates that on what he he does with his clients and such. But the great thing about Jaden is he's attended many of our events and he is only 26 years old, and uh, so he's getting an awesome head start on life and really internalizing some of the principles. He's located in Salt Lake City. And Jaden, welcome on the show. Thanks for coming on.
0: Jason, thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, it's it's my pleasure. Tell us a little bit about uh, your background real quick, and uh, let's dive into your investment strategies.
0: Excellent. Yeah. So as you mentioned, you know, I'm 26 years old. I got my start in the investment world through your your platform, actually. I am located in Salt Lake City. You know, I'm part of a, a group called Paradigm Life. And in my experience with that group, I came across your group where I attended Meet the Masters. I wanna say the first one was 2016,
1: maybe 2017, one of those two. So you were only 22 or 23 then, I guess, right? Exactly. <laughs> Doing yeah. the math, yeah. Exactly, awesome. yeah, I was very, very young when I came
0: across your group. And at the time I was just getting started in what I wanted to do in the investment world as far as real estate was concerned. I had listened to your podcast a fair amount up to that point, right? And I knew that it was a a really interesting pathway for me, but I have to say that Meet the Masters is what really sold me on your group, and just the turnkey world in general.
1: And by the way, for those who might be listening and don't know what that is, that's an annual conference that we hold. It's usually two days, sometimes two and a half or three days, and we have a lot of different speakers come in and and talk at that conference. And it's always been, at least so far in Southern California, now, we have another annual event called Profits in Paradise, and I just saw you there last weekend. That was in Orlando, Florida this year, the year before it was in, in Hawaii. Now, I think you also went to our JHU event in Salt Lake City, I believe, right, a few years back?
0: I actually haven't been to the JHU yet. If you end up doing another one of those, I'm sure I'll be there. But up to this point, I have not. Now, I, I have to say, though, with Profits in Paradise in Orlando this last weekend, Something that stood out to me there that I actually wanted to mention was James Malinchak. What he spoke about, absolutely incredible guy. Just the idea behind how you speak to people and how you present yourself was really an incredible presentation.
1: Yeah, we try to have uh, some stuff that's not just directly on real estate investing or income property per se, but some things of general interest. So, you know, we have various speakers over the years. We've had Ron Paul talking about liberty, G. Edward Griffin talking about the Federal Reserve and and the monetary system, and and James Malinchak talked, uh, he did two talks for us, one that was kind of a, I'll say, a more general success talk, but one Mm -hmm. that was a persuasion talk as well. So that was great. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And uh, also, when I interviewed him from the stage, he talked about how he suffered some online trolling with a uh, you know, person that wanted to get even with him after he wouldn't let him speak at his events anymore. That's what I've been saying, Jaden. I don't know if you heard about that, but any success, you know, people get attacked and it's a lot harder to keep it together than it looks from the outside. You know, is when we look at successful people in the world, we kind of think, oh my gosh, they're just so lucky or fortunate or they just have it made. But you always encounter these forces from the outside, which will try and keep you from your goal, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. In fact, there was, I'm trying to think of the quote as you were speaking, but there's a quote that I, I really, really love that ties right in line with that. I've,
1: I can't what? remember off the top of oh. my head now,
0: but... I'll have to come back to that if I if I think of it.
1: And I might think of it too and I'll I'll bring it up if we do. But anyway, you talked before offline with me about some of the different 10 commandments in 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 my teaching about investing and which ones were most helpful and meaningful to you.
0: Yes, absolutely. So, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, you know, listening to your podcast really got me involved in this and got me thinking about it, you know, the education that's involved there and particularly the 10 commandments just seem to resonate really well with my own philosophies and my own thinking. So the ones that I really wanted to mention here are the first, right? So becoming educated.
1: Yeah, thou shalt become educated, commandment number one. <laughs>
0: exactly, yeah. I can't express enough how important that is to success and the success that I've achieved over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. right? Because as we said, I'm, I'm fairly young. So within the my stated real estate goal, I bought the first property that I've ever purchased last year. So I'd actually been to, I think I'd been to two of your conferences and was about to come to the third, right? I had registered and set up everything for the third conference when I bought that first property. From that point forward, my stated goal has been three properties a year. Mm-hmm. And that all came about because of the education side of things, right? My drive is to educate myself in everything involved in the process before I get involved in actually investing. And so that they educated drove me to, the very first thing I remember doing in that process of educating was watching your pro forma video on your website homepage.
1: Right, and that's just so everybody knows, that's it, jasonhartman.com. It's right on the front page and it's how to analyze a real estate investment, which really is how to analyze a pro forma and how to you know understand the numbers. So I would highly recommend that free video for anybody You know, it's 27 minutes long. And if there's one thing that sort of sums it up, that would be it. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm I'm glad you liked
0: it. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So that was amazing. And then I'm going to skip here to commandment number three, I believe it is. Mm -hmm. And it's the stay in control, right? So maintaining control, being a direct investor Mm -hmm. in what you're doing. Part of what I teach as a wealth strategist is something we refer to as the hierarchy of wealth. Mm -hmm. And that hierarchy of wealth is, Jason, have you ever heard of the hierarchy of needs, Maslow's? Yeah,
1: in fact, I think Maslow left two of them out on the hierarchy of needs. Ever since my college psychology class, I've thought about that. And do you want to know which ones I think he left out, Jaden? of course, yeah. Maslow, on his hierarchy, now, granted, of course, you know, one of the things on there is your basic needs is is shelter. Okay, so that's what we provide as investors. But getting more esoteric than just talking about shelter, his highest level at the top of the pyramid of self-actualization for Maslow. Sorry, that is it self-actualization, right? Mm-hmm. But I think there are two other things he left out, one that I'd say is higher than self-actualization. And I think it should be the top of the pyramid. And I think that's spiritual actualization. You know, throughout human history, there has been some form of organized religion. And even before that, there have been spiritual pursuits. And I think that goes above self-actualization. Certainly self-actualization, it's important, I agree. But I think spiritual actualization is actually above that. And then the other one he left out, and I don't know where it should go on the um, pyramid, is human beings have always been interested and fascinated by and had, I think, an actual need to change their state. And certainly, you know, many people will think, well, they do that with substances and drugs, and and that's true. But they also do it with roller coasters and skateboarding and movement. People do it with alcohol. I'm not saying every way they change their state is positive. I'm just saying they do it you know, they do it through physical activity. Uh, You know, we've all heard of runners running these long, long distances, getting what they call runners high. That's the reason many people are addicted. And you could argue that's a good addiction is to fitness and working out because of that high we get from the endorphins that are released. So the need to change one's state, I think it belongs on the hierarchy. Maslow, is out of business. He missed two things. What do you think? I, I agree with that. As, <laughs> particularly the um, spiritual
0: actualization. That yeah. you, mentioned. you know, I had never thought about it in that way, mm-hmm. but it definitely is an important part of life, right? It's yeah. something that we all have some sort of attachment to. Absolutely. And would have a major impact on us.
1: Yeah. Couldn't agree more. So you were talking about the investor hierarchy and this, I believe you said is in Patrick Donahoe's book.
0: Yeah. So- Patrick Donahoe's book, Heads I Win, Tells You Lose, talks a little bit about this. And then I often will talk about it in meetings with clients as well. Mm -hmm. But the idea behind it is taking what Maslow created and turning it into a financial picture. So we're taking the bottom of the pyramid, which in Maslow's case is things like food and shelter, right? The basic necessities of life. And we're turning that into what do you need to safely... Grow your money and keep your money protected so that as you're climbing the pyramid. So, the way we usually have it set up is in four tiers. Tier one would be things like a savings account, money that needs to be well protected. Tier two would be, I always say, turnkey real estate investments fit very well in tier two because what you can do is you take the money that you protect and grow in tier one and you shift it up into tier two. Then, if anything goes wrong in tier two, which often does when you're making investments, you don't fall off the pyramid and go back down to square one, right? You have something protecting you Mm -hmm. so that you can slowly work your way up that pyramid.
1: Okay, good, good. So having a safeguard is basically what you're talking about, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. A, A plan B, if you will. And that's why I just like the conservative investment strategy that you know, we talk about it all the time because, you know, it's just likely to work, right. <laughs> you know, uh, all, all of these speculators and people with all their big talk. I don't know. For I see very few of them ever getting rich, you know, right. exactly. <laughs> they, they sound <laughs> good, but, uh, you know, in, in practice, it doesn't seem to translate.
0: That is so true, Jason. I've seen that numerous times, right? We work with thousands of people across the country, and a lot of the advice that's given is just Very, very poor. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it amazing? Why is that, do you think, Jaden, that so much of our culture believes these crazy investment mythology that's out there? When you say that, I think of, you know,
0: 401ks, right? The stock market. You know, it's not necessarily that it's bad to put your money there, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it's where people should start. Mm -hmm. And I believe people go for that because it's the only thing that's taught. You know, if you look at mainstream, what people see today and what they learn about, everywhere you look, it's, you know, where are you putting your money in the market? What are you doing with your money over here? You know, how are you investing your money in your 401k? That mm-hmm. kind of talk. Yep. There's never any talk of, you know, what are you doing with your real estate investments? And what are you doing with the money that you need to protect, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, Wall Street just does a great job of marketing. And, oh, um, yeah. and they're just great at it, but they have the mediocre investment. Whereas the real estate industry does a lousy job of marketing, yet they have the best investment. (laughs) It's, It's so true. Yeah. It's sad that it's that way. You know, more people should know, but they seem to be figuring it out. So that's good news.
0: Yeah. No, Wall Street's the best marketers in the world, right? I listened to a podcast episode just a couple of days ago, and you were talking about when you go down to the boat harbor, right, and you're talking about your yachts,
1: right, yeah. and
0: this um, Wall Street gentleman's standing there telling the his client, you know, here's my friend at this brokerage firms yacht and right. this brokerage firms yacht right but then the question is where are your clients yachts yeah
1: right the clients well, don't have any yachts
0: <laughs> the insiders <laughs> do <laughs> exactly it's always the insiders
1: yeah yeah it's it's really it's really absolutely crazy okay so anything more on investment hierarchy or commandment number 3 or do you want to jump by cuz i want to ask you specifically about your generation the millennial generation in fact you're so young you're almost gen z not quite but almost right <laughs> and yeah. uh mm-hmm. uh you know and kind of how they view investing and kind of the future of that that demographic cohort i'd like to get into that too so Uh, Let me know when you're ready. No, let's go ahead and jump into that. Okay, great. So it seems like, I mean, like any demographic cohort, right, millennials are a mixed bag. Some of them seem very conscientious and prudent and frugal, and it seems like others have just kind of given up and they don't want to play the game at all, right? They're just, I don't know what they're waiting for. Maybe they just don't have the foresight to see that, you know, they've got to invest. They've got to take care of themselves and take care of their financial future. But you know firsthand, because you have friends and peers in that group, obviously, what do you think? What do you read on this?
0: That's a really good point. I've recently been reading the book called Big Shifts Ahead from John Burns. Yeah. In fact, I actually got that book from one of your conferences. Mm-hmm. But the reason I bring that up is you mentioned like millennials getting down on their luck, right? The idea that they they just feel so encumbered in student loan debt and all of these other weighing factors that they don't take any action. They don't do anything to better their situation. Mm-hmm. I personally have noticed that very commonly, you know, in the workplace. And as an example, if I look back at people that I went to college with and went to high school with, there's a good portion of those those individuals who still struggle to get their life moving. I'd say the biggest factor is student loan debt. That's mm-hmm. really a weighing, a weighing piece on people.
1: Mm-hmm. What's going to come of that generation then? I mean, are they waiting for an inheritance? Or, uh, you know, I I mean, the student loan debt is a huge problem. We've talked about it extensively. And as a public service, by the way, I'm going to be talking about an article I read recently of how to get out of student loan debt. And it is not easy, but there are a few possibilities. So we'll talk about that on a future show.
0: It's hard to say what would come of this generation. You know, I, I spoke with somebody not too long ago who was attempting to shift around their investments a little bit and put themselves in a better situation. And he had just finished school and his student loan debts were just coming due. So he had to start making payments on this. He had set aside a couple of thousand dollars a month that was specifically for investments, right? This was going to be his real estate dollars, that kind of thing. And the student loan debts came due. And I think it was, if I remember right, it was about $1,700 a month that he had to start paying. And that just wiped out.
1: That just makes it impossible. That's like a mortgage payment on and quite a nice house, actually.
0: Yeah, it completely shifted his his goals for you know the next 10 years. So it, it makes a, a huge impact. And it's hard to say where that's going to take our generation. Mm-hmm. But the way I try to look at this, too, is... There's a quote by Zig Ziglar that says, you can have everything in life you want if you will just help enough other people get what they want.
1: Yeah, I love that quote.
0: To me, that says take action, right? Do something with your life to help other people, to add value for other people. And right, there are some major weighing factors, but it's it's what our generation has to deal with. It's the thing that we have to work around.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We do. We do. No question about it. So talk to us about the real estate you've purchased. Uh, I think you've got a, a few properties now, right?
0: I do, yeah. So I bought two properties in the last year and we are looking at buying the third one before twenty nineteen ends. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, you know, here in the next month, month and a half we'll be getting that nailed down. So right now I own a I own a property in Jacksonville, Florida, and then another one in Memphis, Tennessee.
1: Okay. So you've got Jacksonville and Memphis and you bought one of those through our network and one outside, I believe, right?
0: Correct. Yeah. So one of them through the network. And then like you said, the one out and the one, you know, the distinction I would make between that is there was a considerable amount of value added in buying through your network when it came to the investment counselor. I think that's actually one of your commandments, but it, right. It says, the idea of seeking guidance, getting somebody to help you and guide you as you go through that process. Mm-hmm. Well, there's not a lot of companies out there that do that. Most of them will simply say, "Okay, here you go. Right, here's the property. Now figure out how to how to deal with it."
1: Right. They're just basically uh, referring you to the property rather than providing a support system, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah. And there's been a lot of value in working through your network with an investment counselor. So in particular with Jacksonville, when I purchased that property, it's an older one. And I had a fair amount of maintenance that came up right out of the gate, but dealing with your network meant that I had Sarah on my side to kind of walk me through that, right? And she was able to help me go back and forth with the group that I purchased it through until everything was solved. And it was a very, very simple process, right? That could have been something that cost me five or $10,000 and rather it didn't, you know, I saved a considerable amount of money just by having the right people on my team.
1: Yeah, we really approach this as a service business, like in a sense, a traditional real estate company, you know, that has a person, a counselor to help you all the way through the entire process and for life afterwards. I mean, as long as we're around, we're going to be here to help our clients. So, you know, you, you purchase property through our network five, 10 years ago, we're here for you. And of course, you know, more immediately as well, but uh, definitely afterwards as well.
0: Yeah, I can absolutely see that. You know, anytime I've had any questions, concerns, anything like that, it's a simple email or phone call and we're taken care of.
1: Good to hear. So what are your plans for the future in terms of uh, additional properties or anything else you want to share? Plans for the future look like
0: I've really enjoyed the Florida market and I've listened a lot lately to the idea of where, you know, in the past episodes, we're talking four or 500 episodes ago, <laughs> <laughs> you used to mention that you had properties in 11 states and 17 cities. Yeah, right? that,
1: that was a mistake. Too many, <laughs> too many, too much diversification.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I've yeah. definitely internalized that lesson. Yeah. And what I'm trying to do now is stay in Florida and Tennessee for a while. Mm-hmm. But with the provider in particular in Florida, he operates a lot with new build properties now. So I'm very interested in picking up probably two of those in 2020. Mm -hmm. So short term goals are continue on the three, you know, three properties a year, probably two of those will be new builds. And then as time goes on, I'll probably just continue to lean towards the new build approach.
1: Yeah, okay. So you want to go for the the higher end properties of the rental market, right? You want to buy the, the new properties, kind of the class A properties, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And the my reasoning for that has been, you know, like we've talked about, I'm, I'm 26 years old. I'm going to be in this game for a while. And I can only imagine how much maintenance will come up. So I feel like the new build approach will give me a little bit more time <laughs> on the maintenance side of things.
1: hmm Right. That'll be better in the long run. But, you know, when you go and you look on our website at jasonhartman.com and you look at the properties, you see some stuff, some of the rehab properties that they do look better. They look like a better deal than the new properties, right? How do you balance that out?
0: They do. Yeah. In fact, that was originally when I started buying properties, that was my thought process, right? It was, okay, if I look at these properties and I see, I don't know, $200 a month in cash flow on a new build, and then $300 on an older property that is probably, the purchase price is probably 50% of what the new build is. I was thinking to myself, why why would it ever make sense to, to buy these new properties? But what changed my mindset there is actually dealing with the older properties, right? When you start buying them and start dealing with maintenance that comes up, you realize that it's just part of the game. If it's a 50, 60 year old house, there's bound to be things that happen that you didn't expect.
1: Mm -hmm. It always, always comes up and tenants in the lower end properties, you might get lucky, you might get a good one, but by and large, in the law of averages, you're just going to get better quality tenants in better quality properties, and you're just going to have a better experience. But Hey, you know, we have many clients who are kind of the more the bargain hunter type and they want those class C properties. And they usually, after a few years of doing those, they usually decide, you know, I want to get some nice class A new stuff. <laughs> it's a funny yeah. thing how
0: that yep. happens. No, I, I can understand yeah. that mentality a hundred percent. It was a shift for me. And I do think that there's a lot of value in the class C properties still. Mm-hmm. It just depends on your willingness to deal with them, right? Right. Part of what you've talked about quite a bit lately has been Mm self-management. And that's another big key for me is, you know, right now I'm using property managers for everything, but at some point, as I get more experienced and better with the real estate investments, I'd love to try out the self-management. And I think that new builds will be a lot easier to Mm self-manage.
1: Absolutely. I I agree with you. Now, I do think, though, you're in two markets. I do think that you can diversify into three markets. You should at least have three markets in your portfolio and uh, not more than five. That's what we've always said, uh, based on the mistake I made of going into too many markets. I don't think you can own too many houses, but you can be in too many markets. So do you have an idea as to your next market to add and get three? I do.
0: So part of this came from the last two conferences, So the last Meet the Masters in the spring, and then Profits here uh, just last week, mm-hmm. and then part of it came from just looking at properties on on the website. But I think that York, Pennsylvania, really mm-hmm. interests me. They're kind of the townhome style. That's what it looks like. Most of their properties are. I don't believe they're sold as townhomes. I think they're sold as a single family. Mm-hmm. But I like the idea of you know the rehab on those looks incredible. It seems like they do an amazing job in that in that area. They always have really good rent to value ratios, and that's been a big factor for me. I always kind of look at and determine things based on that rent to value. Mm -hmm. And then the the provider there seems like a really good provider.
1: Good stuff. Good stuff. Jaden, anything else you want to say to wrap it up?
0: I would just say that, you know, I, I would reiterate that for me, a big deal has been making sure that I'm taking control of my life where I can take control of it. And again, I go back to Zig Ziller's quote of, if you want something in life, make sure you're helping other people get what they want, right? Mm-hmm. Add value for others. Do do what you can to help others out in life. Right. That's, that's really the key to success in, in whatever field you're, or whatever endeavor you're going after.
1: So I would just add that. And that's great. Yeah. Good, good stuff. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, as a real estate investor, you're providing one of people's primary needs, housing, shelter, you know, they say the three basic human needs are food, clothing, and shelter, and we're right at the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy. There, we haven't even gone up the ladder, and uh, you got to get those taken care of. So that's what we do as real estate investors: we provide shelter, a very important need for people. So that's excellent. Jaden, do you want to uh, share any contact information or website or anything? Yeah, I'd
0: love to. So if anybody's interested in talking about, you know, what I do and how I got involved in working with you specifically, please feel free to shoot me an email. You can reach me at Zubal. that's spelled Z-U-B-A-L, at ParadigmLife.net. Or you can just get on our website, ParadigmLife.net, and click the About Us link, and you'll see a picture of me right there. It'll say Jaden Zubal. Go to that, and you'll be able to get a hold of me.
1: Good stuff. Jaden, thanks for joining us.
0: All right. Thanks so much, Jason.